0: Hi, everybody. Carpet and Cork here. Uh, Just a couple prefaces before we get into today's episode, Uh, and actually an announcement as well, I guess. Uh, This is going to be the first episode in a two-part series where we're going to be discussing the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, First off, I'm going to be talking to just a friend of mine. Uh, where we try and get a little bit comfortable about this uh, difficult conversation for us to talk about. And then next week, I will be talking with somebody who's been on the ground reporting in Seattle while I discuss what I've been seeing in Portland, along with some of the work he's been doing with reporting on the federal movement. And I'm really excited to talk about that, but I don't want to get too much into that now, because today's episode is just as important as next week's because today I get to sit down with a really dear friend of mine and we get to talk a little bit about his past and how the protests have affected us and how being a part of them has really opened our eyes to some of the injustices that we hadn't seen before along with our journeys to seeing uh, from going from being just blind people not noticing the injustices around us to finally realizing how privileged we were because of the things we didn't have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. So, without further ado, I'd like to begin the very first episode of Black Lives Matter, A Case Against the Modern Man. the modern man with quinn hey quinn how you doing there pretty good john how you doing i'm doing pretty good where are, you, where are you calling in from uh i'm over here in astoria oregon astoria oregon yeah yeah okay so just so you guys know he's calling in on his phone right now if you guys have any problem with the audio quality that's probably why uh he might cut in a little bit but we'll try and keep it together we've got some good internet holding us together right now uh, what are you drinking over there
1: I'm drinking a black cherry white claw, hard seltzer. White claw. Pretty basic,
0: bro. <laughs> but I guess there are no laws when you're drinking claws.
1: <laughs> no laws when you're drinking claws. It's a bitch beer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty white. Uh, I'm over here. I'm going to take a quick shot at Jack, and I've got my uh, Modelo Especial. You know, I wish I had the black label, but no. All right. Cheers. Cheers Yeah, this is going to be a pretty hard conversation Whew. Gotta mm-hmm. love that Tennessee honey But um, I- I'm pretty excited about it um, uh, But before we really jump in I think we need to really talk about like Who you are Because I don't think any of you guys really know Quinn But uh, Quinn's a real good friend of mine uh, But I don't really want to talk for him So I'm going to start off with a really easy question Quinn, Quinn, how did how do you know me?
1: Um, we met through a mutual friend and we, uh, we then proceeded to sit on a park bench along the Columbia river and talk for hours, like teenage sweethearts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That
1: sounds, sounds pretty accurate. Ohio, Portland airport.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Held hands while the sunset kind of, kind of vibe. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't really tell people that part. All that often, but yeah, there was definitely some handholding. <laughs> at least, not nah, now. Quinn and I have
0: been friends for a real long time. Yeah, we met through some uh, mutual friends, but it's it's been a good run. Uh, we uh, bonded through some mutual pain, and if you uh, caught my last episode where I discussed uh, my backstory, you'll you'll kind of take a guess on where that goes. We didn't grow up with the best family lives. I I mean, wouldn't you wouldn't you say the same? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, while my family was divorced and dysfunctional in that way, yours was dysfunctional, but pretty different. How How would you describe your family?
1: Um, well, a large part of it had to do with the first generation. Like, so my dad uh, that 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 generation was drug addicts, which made the next generation uh, mental health cases. So it just kind of went to shit after that. My grandparents were great. That was a great generation. But then a few bad apples. Like my aunts are fine. I just had a bad rebel mom who got into drugs. And that kind of having that as a parent for the next generation after that was just messed up. Because they had to deal with the drugs from the generation above them. Right. But it wasn't all bad because there was still you know, like I said, it was just my mom who was the rebel. my aunts are good people
0: yeah, I, I could see that uh, it was almost like you were involved in raising an adult since you were a kid
2: yeah,
0: yeah that, that's that's not a good situation for anyone to be put into. Uh, how how would you say that affected you growing up?
1: Well, I did grow up with my aunt so my mom's sister who's turned out to be a much better apple <laughs> but uh it just it was always weird because growing up I would call her my my aunt sherry and my uncle mark but all the other kids in school said my mom did this or my dad did that or you know I'm talking about the mom and dad and even my teachers knew that I was raised by my aunt rather than my parents in trouble, they'd say, "Like you need me to call your aunt." It's like, it's, it's, to, simple it up. It's like, I wish I would have rather them asked if they had to call my mom rather than my aunt. You know, because that's what the normal kids had. They had moms and dads, and I had my aunt. And my it separated you from everyone else in your class. I mean, it, it was it was all in my head. Like I was, you know, I was very lucky to have growing up with them rather than my biological mom and dad uh, but you know I did it to myself I, I kept thinking well everybody else has moms and dads but I have an aunt and uncle and so I'm different you know I did it to myself but you know that, that was the case uh, I, I like how you
0: do take responsibility for some of that but all of it doesn't fall on you part of that does have to do with the way that uh, we value the family structure and right. so it's part of the reason why there's such a problem people have with the gay community too is because that's not a family structure people recognize all of a sudden there's two dads well, It doesn't right. seem as weird when all of a sudden oh no I don't have any I don't have parents really scary that come I mean, for me it, it it's scary but it's especially when you're young kids it's something different to latch on to and scary is different especially when you're young yeah I think it's funny that you use the term apples, or your aunt was a good apple to describe.
1: Yeah, apple doesn't fall far from the tree until it rolls off and boils.
0: Yeah, well, and also it seems like we're going to be talking a lot about apples today. Yeah, You know, good apples, bad apples, they've been coming up a lot in conversation yeah. <laughs> lately. <laughs> so, so um, uh, one, one last question about you growing up, and then we'll really jump into this, though, is... Uh, how how would you say um, once you started coming into your young adult years to adult years? How would you say uh, your childhood really affected that? Did you see a lot of uh, problems where you had to deal with your parents being absent, or did you did you have an awakening where you found yourself, or how how did that go?
1: Yeah, I I would say probably like in. Once I got, well, going, okay, let me go back. <laughs> um, so when I, in, in grade school, elementary school, I was suspended like every other week. Um, and so I I, I I was always getting in trouble. I was a bad kid. I was acting out all the time because I was make, I had this thought in my head that I was different from everybody. And that wasn't fair. I was just mad at everything and everyone and I was getting into trouble, and it continued into middle school, and it got better in middle school for sure. Um, But once I got into high school, I I started doing band and sports. Uh, I was actually making friends who, like, were into the same things I was. Like, as, as a kid, everybody's into, like, stuff, you know, kid stuff. Right, and I, I was kind of mature for my age, even though I was really immature. Like I, I acted immature, but at the end of the day, like I, you know, I wanted to be grown up because I didn't like being young and being told what to do. And okay, let me let me go back. So I was in trouble, getting in trouble a lot. Oh, no, okay, sports. I totally forgot when I was... I lost my train of thought in that.
0: You're all good. You were talking um, about um, band? and Yeah,
1: so when I got into high school...
0: Yeah, and how uh, you started to find friends who had similar interests as you versus when you were a kid.
1: Yeah, I was trying to explain... Um, like, I was I was really immature, like, getting in trouble all the time, um, but I still was very mature for my age as far as the activities that i engaged in you know
0: well so that had that probably had more to do with the fact that you felt like you needed
1: attention yeah and so when i got in high school and made friends and could do stuff that you know interest me um, i just got happier i suppose
0: okay so you saw that there was uh less attention seeking or less times that you were just acting out to
1: yeah, so I wasn't getting in trouble, and I was actually becoming a really good role model for a lot of other people. Okay. Were, uh,
0: were you involved in any churches at this time?
1: Yeah, I was I was attending First Presbyterian Church since seventh grade, and that's why things got better in middle school. I was doing track in middle school as well, so I was, that's I was starting to get into sports and kind of figuring out who I was. Okay. So
0: uh, in in times when you were really struggling and felt like there wasn't a lot, there was uh, a space for you in organized religion that actually yeah. did help you feel a little bit more. I, I think the same thing you found in organized religions, probably a lot of the same things you were finding in uh, activities in like, yeah, and, see, exactly,
1: yeah. organized
0: activities.
1: Yeah, and just being at that age, you know, you had to like set up a play date with your with your parents when you were young. And so I didn't really feel close to the people that I was like on the track team with or the friends that I had at school. But in high school, it was like the the team was a family. You know, we all got really close um, and, you know, it was, it was a lot easier to see those people after school as well. So you just kind of created a better bond with them.
0: Now, this is going to kind of sound like a weird question. And this is where we're going to start walking into some really murky territory. OK, <laughs> but like I know what high school you went to. But, like, yeah, nobody else does. So, would you say the high school you attended was a diverse high school or was it fairly whitewashed?
1: It was fairly whitewashed.
0: okay. okay, but um, so so when was the first time were, were there any teachers of color, I guess? would you say?
1: We had a we had an English teacher. okay uh, what he what was my he was actually my high jump coach.
0: So, so when did you meet him? What would be the earliest time you'd say you had a teacher who wasn't white?
1: Um, earliest time? I never had him as a teacher. And until my sophomore year of high school, at the end of the school year in the spring, he was my high jump coach. And I didn't even know he was a teacher at our school until I had him as a coach. And then I noticed him in the hall.
0: Okay. So... I mean, was that a pretty significant experience? Did you see him as anything different than the other teachers? Was his
1: to be hundred percent honest? It 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 was kind of weird. Like it wasn't until I saw him a teacher at my school. Like I, there's an African American teacher at our school. I until I saw him, it didn't hit me that oh wait, every other teacher I had ever had was white and like I never thought of it before right like why is why is this shocking to me it's it's just you know like I wasn't like you know how do you get this like I'm like I had I had like white teachers every one of my teachers until I didn't even have him as a teacher so right every single one of my teachers I ever had was white and so, until I saw a black teacher, like I didn't even have black teachers in my other schools. Right. So until I saw a black teacher, it, it the thought never crossed my mind that I have a black teacher and I have a white teacher. I just always had white teachers. So when I saw a black teacher, it made me think like, oh, why didn't I ever think of that? Like I I've always had white teachers, and now there's a black teacher. Right. But like, why didn't I? Why wasn't I? Like, why are they all white? Why did it take? Why did it take seeing a black teacher for me to realize that all my other teachers were white?
0: Yeah, well, how is that? But then you got to think about the other end of that perspective about somebody who is colored going through school, and mm-hmm. they're they're wondering from day one, why don't any of the teachers look like me? Yeah, and and that's just got to be such a such a terrible experience. And I just kind of wanted to tie in the uh, your your growing up story a little bit there with kind of where we're going to move the conversation into.
2: The is my soul? I just want to be home. Running around the city waiting for you to miss me. Used to take it slow, now it seems like we hit speed. Where the fuck is my soul? I just want to be
0: into which is kind of what's going on currently in the political system with uh i know this is probably a little bit old news now but uh it's still really uh poignant with uh specifically george floyd and brianna taylor starting these movements after their uh horrific tragedies with the cops um and then the protests that not uh, ensued since then and uh I, I don't know. What are what are your thoughts on the movement, Glenn? Let's let's start off there, so that we just don't start off this slate seeming like we're trying to hedge or hum our way around being racist. What like what what do you feel about this? Start off.
1: Um, it feels bigger than me. Like I, I don't know what I can. Do And I know together we're stronger, and so most people's first thing they would say when I ask, what can I do, is you can advocate, educate others or yourself if needed. Well, let's start um,
0: off a little bit simpler than that. Let's start off with, like, do you think that these people have the right to protest, or do you think that they're protesting about something silly? like? Basically, I want to start this off, like, let's premise the rest of this conversation by saying, like, I'm going to say I am for the Black Lives Matter movement, I am for these protests specifically, and I am for the um, movements to stop police brutality. And basically, I'm saying let's preface the conversation in that way, so that while we move forward, there's no... There's no uh, thoughts to any of what we're saying as being buts. It's more taking this broader conversation and then going deeper. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Yeah. Okay. So so starting from there, where would you say you stand on these protests?
1: I support them entirely. Okay. I, I don't think— Martin Luther King was a man of peace. Yes. On um, and he didn't want violence. And he did, he changed a lot of things. Um, but I feel like today, you know, the time we're in now, um, a lot of those things have been undone. Yeah. And so, I don't want to say peace is no longer an option, but it takes action for change. Um, and so I fully support the protest. I don't, Police don't use words, they use violence, and you know, rock beat scissors.
0: Now, have you ever had an encounter with the police, Quinlan? Um, I've, I've, I, yes, (laughs) not not to call you out in any uh universal fashion over a a podcast with no fan base, but (laughs) um. No. uh, Yeah. uh, Part of the problem I have with this discussion, and I'm not saying that I have a problem with the discussion. I think the discussion is great. And I think that since I've seen the discussion, I have seen some discussion about white police violence. And I don't think that either is excusable. And I do understand that police brutality is a thing that happens on both sides. But I think the real problem is a lot of the time when people are discussing issues of race, they tend to forget that there are Uh, disadvantaged poor white people out there too who the cops do look at in almost exactly the same way as they do some other minorities. And I'm not to say – I'm not saying that there isn't a difference between poor white people and poor black people because uh, I do understand there is a difference there and racial profiling is a real thing. But – Uh, I think in some ways this is more a time for solidarity than it is a time for hate and I think for white people to stand up and say hey I've seen some of this violence too I've been a part of this violence I've been in a position where I was in the back of or in the front of my Honda Civic I had a light out and I was driving home at night and I wasn't doing anything suspicious and I wasn't intoxicated in any way and I turned my car off because a cop pulled up behind me and I had to flip my electricity back on so I could roll down my windows because he was walking up to me and as soon as I rolled down my windows, two other cop cars immediately pulled in right behind him because all of a sudden I'm a sketchy kid in a Honda Civic who's trying to skip the cops. you know. And I'm not trying to say that's the same thing at all, but like even I have seen from a young age that the cops are misusing their powers. And I know that you've seen that in even more harsh ways than I have and I think that knowing the two of us knowing that there's a difference between us, our lived experiences, and a black lived experience in America means that uh, doesn't mean that we can't say, hey, we've seen this too. We like we just didn't see all of it. Like We only saw our part and said fuck 12 and now we see your part and we're ready to stand up. I think that's what people need to be more willing but to isn't
1: see. isn't it sad that it would take we've had it too and we've You know, we've never made our own movement like this. And it takes black people suffering it for since, what, 1912? I don't know if that's the right date. 1612? Not
0: 1612, but uh, we're talking 1776 was the beginning of America's. We're talking um, at least, let's just say 1776, even though there probably wasn't thriving plantations at that point. Maybe. I don't know.
1: They've been suffering it since it, you know, all started. Yeah, and it it only took white people getting, you know, the short end of the stick, too. Yeah, well, you know, it's like it was. It they've been suffering it since the beginning, and we didn't want to really do anything as white people. You know, it's like that's not our fight. We're not going to do anything about that. And then finally, we start getting the short end of the stick, and like, hey, they're right. You know.
0: Well, and I agree with you. I I do think that that's pretty atrocious, and I think part of the problem has to do with the way that things have been framed forever because you got to look at the way that just now we're getting the technology to actually see things as they're happening. When people record something on their phone and drop it on Twitter right away and we see a cop on somebody's neck, we go, okay, holy crap, that's awful. But I have a hard time blaming my great-great-grand – well, not even my great-great-grandparents because my family – is only here for the last three generations. (laughs) On one side and the other one, just a few more. But, um, let's, let's, I can't, I have a hard time apologizing for Americans who saw things on the news or heard things on the radio that were framed in such a way that they heard, they heard that some thug broke into something. But I have a real big problem with the way that things were worded back then, no doubt. And, uh, I'm just saying I have a hard time going back and applying guilt. But what I would like to say is that now that we've seen it and now that it's time to stop it, uh, it's time to stop it. And these people that are suffering, they need to stop suffering. And for the people who have suffered before them, we need to figure out some way to pay them back for their sufferings. But uh, I don't have all the answers for that, and I don't think any of us really do. I don't think there's a single person on the planet who could answer all of that for all of us. But – when it comes to looking back, uh, it's it's too difficult to pinpoint where everybody's family was at specific points to apply specific numeric values depending on how rough everyone was to specific uh, families. So to set up oh to set up some sort of reparations where the slave owners of specific families paid back those families that they owned is almost impossible if not actually impossible to set up but then there was a point where half the country didn't own slaves and then we need to look at well where did those slaves go and i think that part of that problem is looking into the prison system which is pretty fucked up and i i don't know if you have uh, any large opinions on the prison system, but I, I I think it'd be fairly safe to say that the prison system is uh, modern slavery.
1: I think there's a lot of people in there that need to be in there. Um, okay. But yeah, I think you know I there's there's the stereotype that you know cops are only after the black guys. Yeah. And so that's why there's so many black guys in, in jail, and so I think I think if you were to try to make the statement that the prisons today are like modern day slavery, yeah, you could. Well, and one thing, say,
0: one thing I'd use to support that statement is that. Um, Penalties and sentences for crack cocaine were a lot harder than for powdered cocaine, especially going all the way back to the 70s, and it was more likely that rich white people would be caught with powdered cocaine than people who were uh, first to get it um, from Colombia and were selling it in the inner cities, and the people who were getting it first, which would have been – crack cocaine because that's where the cia would have been dropping it off i mean come on dude we all know the cia was buying crack and delivering that shit to the inner cities i don't see how that relates well my point is that there are laws set in the place with uh, specific penalties set up for people who are in minority situations to be uh sentenced harsher than for people oh, who not the same way. And a lot of the drug war was set up to catch a lot of people in minority statuses and put them back into prison because they were the people who would have been caught with these specific substances.
1: I see the yeah. The the penalty system is set up for minorities to fail more so than upper class.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So uh, I, I think, honestly, we're on the same page when it comes to prison system <laughs> for the most part. And uh, I think then what we should actually be talking about is what happens with these protests. And I, I've i seen some things, I don't know if you've seen some things, where people are posting or saying that if you're not at these protests or constantly posting on your social media – Uh, to help these activists, then you're a racist. And the major point of this conversation, since we are two white guys and I don't think we should be sitting here trying to speak for black people, is to um, kind of explain why that statement is flawed in so many ways. I mean, starting off, I could say that people who live with somebody who's infected with COVID-19, you need to stay home. You should stay away from people, wait till that person is outside of their own self-quarantine inside your house, and then at least wait another 2 to 14 days to make sure you don't develop symptoms. Mm-hmm. But there, are, there are lots of valid reasons why people can't get super involved in this because it could be unhealthy for them. And I think you have a really interesting opinion on this, and so I'd like to hear your thoughts about – some of the reasons why people should stay away from these protests
1: Well, me personally, I know that being at a protest would not it's not a good idea. I fully support the protests and I respect the people who are out there and I'm proud of them. I have a, I have one of my closest friends um, right next to you was my best friend <laughs> I there right and he's out at the protest right now and I'm so proud of him. I respect him so much more, and I already had very high respect for him. Is he in Portland? He's in Vancouver. He's real close to the um, to the bridge and everything, so it's really easy for him to get over there. Okay. There has,
0: has he been involved in the protests in Esther Short, or has he been over in the Portland protests?
1: Uh, I'm not sure if he made it to the Esther Short one, but he's been in Portland every night.
0: Oh, every, every, night. every single night? Yes. Dang, okay. I don't know if I've—well— Okay, not trying to drop that shit. Okay. I've worked really hard to make sure that I don't use any protest for content stuff. So uh, I'll get into that in a second. But first off, I want to let you finish your thing. But um, I, yeah, just want to say kudos to your friend. Uh, that's that's really cool of him. And uh, you should send my information over to him and we'll link for a night or something. And I'll, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, just a side note. Anyway, get back to your story. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I I think we need the protests for sure, but I I myself will not go. Um, I in my encounter with the justice system um, I got as close of a look as you could to police brutality. Um, so arrested it was they went very overboard um, you know because I was I was a minority who had stolen a car and so they you know they were they were going like as hard as they could um,
0: that was a hard time for all of us to watch you go through
1: yeah I and at the time you know most of what led me to do that. Was that I couldn't see that, you know, I was so caught up in my head that I couldn't see that there were so many of my good friends who cared about me, and you know, I, I take full responsibility for what I did. Um, but back back to my point is, I, you know, I I was arrested and I went to prison, and so. I can recall one time specifically, um, there was, there was a dorm raid, and so, you know, everybody has to hit the ground, like, it's, they bust in, in full riot gear with, um, rubber bullet guns, they battle their zip ties and everything, they've got their batons out, tasers ready and everything, um. So they, they bust through the door and they start yelling and everybody has to hit the ground, put your hands behind your head, um, face the ground. You can't like be laying on the ground with your head to the side. Like no, face on the ground. Um, and then they start coming around and they they put their knee in your back. They put it up, I, I, I could see a few cops putting their knee on their people's necks as well. Um, you know, full like full show of authority, getting on your back. But like they have you put. I, this is my working theory. They have you put <laughs> your hands behind your head so that they can grab them and yank them behind your back to zip tie them. Yeah. instead of just have to put them behind your back. If you don't have them on your head, they, they scream at you to put them on your head so that they can rip it back behind your back and zip tie you. And they put on everybody's zip ties way too freaking tight. Um, one guy's arm, like, lost feeling for a week. Mine were, like... As purple as you can imagine, um, and they had us go out. Like you have to get out of the dorm, so they put us all outside, um, and they were they were done with um, their their sweep and everything. They, we knew that they weren't even looking through our stuff anymore. Um, but so many people were complaining about how tight the zip ties were and how much pain they were in. Um, there was an old man. He was like 90 something, and they zip tied the crap out of his hands he you know his is one of the worst and he's like a nine-year-old man um and they they wouldn't loosen anything and they just made us stand out there for longer because they knew that we were in pain and complaining about it um so that's that's just one of the examples of police brutality that i've witnessed myself um but it's just stuff like that. I've I've dealt with it myself, even before I had that experience. Seeing videos of uh, police abusing their power yeah. just made my blood boil. And uh, my grandpa was actually the uh, sheriff of Pacific County, and I respect him so much. Um, I think my grandpa was one of the best men to ever live. You know, Yeah. I was I was his bud. Um, and he was a good cop. And if anybody says he was a cop so he was a pig, you know, that's just not fucking right. He was a good man, he was a good cop. He was, you know, I've never, I, I don't think I'll ever respect anybody else as much as I respected that man. He was a good man. And so I do believe that there are good cops. Um, and so to see just how bad a bad cop can be and to just disrespect everything my grandfather stood for, I, it burns me up inside. I like, cannot handle my anger when I see stuff like that.
0: Well, so um, the, the cops would have been the people's army. So your grandfather was coming from a line of something noble. And there have been lots yeah. and lots of noblemen. But the way that the police force has gotten today, it's gotten so hard for there to be good policemen like your grandfather to stay inside. And, and so that's why you end up in situations like where you were. And and so as harrowing as your situation is, it's, it's becoming commonplace. And that's just how it is when you entered prison now, I bet. Mm-hmm. So to think about the levels above that that they go and to think that that's now what people consider a good cop is a cop who does that because that's a cop doing their job.
2: Yeah.
0: It's like, how far then is a bad cop? And why do you see yourself in such a position where you feel like you need to stay away from these bad cops? Because I I understand trauma and how harrowing it could be to go back and how it could almost be like being forced to relive a situation like that, being in a place where cops are treating people like that right in front of you again. Yeah, But would it be like if you were put back in that same room with that same cop, except your hands weren't tied up, so now you can do what you wanted?
1: I, without any hesitation, like, there's not i I can't find a single doubt in my mind that I would not seek revenge. I am a vengeful person. <laughs>
0: yeah, I could see that. Uh,
1: I... Even even if he was ten times bigger than me and would break my neck, I would go and try and beat the shit out of that cop. That's, and that's I don't know. I know it's not. Um, I know it's not healthy or makes for a good person, but I I know that's the kind of person I am. But somebody would want I would with every fiber of my being want to inflict pain on that person <laughs> That's,
0: well, but what I think makes you a good person in this situation is that you've decided to set a limit for yourself and so you, you won't go just add to the violence at these protests you've decided not to uh, just go to a protest and become a rioter
1: yeah if I, if I got the chance if I had a gun in my hand I'd shoot a cop I'd shoot a bad cop doing bad things and, no hesitation.
0: And these what, protests what do going get crazy. What
1: is going to do? That's just going to make things worse.
0: Exactly. And and as much fun as it would be to go there and cause violence, it's it's not what well, it this does, is about. It sounds
1: like a ball.
0: And and when the day does come that the state needs to fall and it's time to open up Cascadia. The
1: revolution.
0: <laughs> Just so you know, both of us are definitely Cascadia fanatics. We want this to yeah. be like a Northwest civilization. We got to restart. <laughs> Another reason why I don't think you should be going to these protests is because uh, – of your current situation at home, which, got a baby girl due in
1: September. Uh huh. I, I go and try and beat the shit out of a cop and get myself killed or put in prison again. I can't be there for my baby girl. Or if you got
0: COVID nineteen, and yeah. you brought that shit home,
1: and got my pregnant wife sick.
0: Exactly. Yeah, there's lots of reasons for people to be staying away from this. And there's lots of reasons for people to be supporting in other ways. There's donating, there's signing petitions, there's talking about it with your friends, there's having conversations with people who are actually semi-racist. I yeah. I uh, actually had this really hard conversation with my biological father the other day because he was posting some memes about the protests where he was talking about Basically wiping out lines of protesters with uh, international harvester, and uh, I was saying basically, you know, if you do that, you're going to be wiping out your own flesh and blood now. Like y- you are, you're crossing a line here. You're you're not just being funny anymore. This is this is straight up. You're you're telling me that you care more about keeping these streets clean than you care about the injustice that's happening right now. Yeah. And if you're going to do that, then that's not okay. <laughs> and we already had a beyond strenuous relationship, so you can't believe the amount of tethers I feel like got cut by saying that, but it needed to happen. So what would, what would you say are some of the ways that you found to be a part of this or be a part of this conversation other than being in this podcast and actually pointing out reasons why people need to stay away from this uh, how would you say you've been a part of this conversation
1: well i i wouldn't lie and tell you that i'm educated about well, you everything you should happened and and so i know that i recognize that hey i i care for what's you know what the protests are for I could that's something I care about but I'm not educated well enough about it so I'm educating myself I'm I'm not a big reader um, I, I don't really like spending a lot of time on my phone so I don't really go on Twitter I don't read a lot of news stuff um, and so and you I, also work I, and have I, a baby on the way yeah I don't really have a lot of time <laughs> myself on what's going on what's happened i need to look back into history i need to focus on you know what's next um what is i need i need to educate myself and so that's what i've been doing
0: well and i can say from being your best friend just another little drop there like little drop <laughs> in the bucket for the episode yeah, right. <laughs> name drop um <laughs> I can say that we've had some pretty great conversations over this quarantine about specifically this topic and the ways we feel about it and the ways that we feel we can help. And it's also the reason why I felt like we should have this episode is because of the way that I felt like your position on this was so unique and also enlightening to a lot of people. Because I don't think that the
1: unique. I, I, I bet there's a lot of people in the same situation. Who know that they'd they'd fight a cop if they went to the protest and it's not going to be beneficial for the movement or them in their lives, what they're going through every day.
0: Well, when I say unique, I mean unique as in you've decided not to go and I see there are lots of people who do go. Yeah, And and those people have become rioters and those people have literally put such a bad name on this spin along with the cops who – there are undercover cops I bet who are going dressed as people. I absolutely 100 percent believe that that's happening. Without a doubt. And (laughs) they're acting as rioters so that they can cause problems and make this worse. And I believe that this whole Antifa problem that people are complaining about is really just these rioters that are – an unorganized group of shitbags Who are just trying to make these protesters Look like shit, and they're not These protesters are doing the work of Martin Luther King Again Yeah, And uh, just kind of To wrap this up, because we are kind of Getting to the end of our show here um, I'd I just Like to say that uh, We really are just speaking for White people here, we're not trying to speak For people of color, we're really just trying To speak for people who are like us In situations who where they they might not have come up from the greatest of circumstances they weren't the richest of people, but they have seen some pr- police brutality and then they also realize that it's ridiculous how long it's taken them to get to this place where they've realized what's going on to everyone else around them and how much worse it is for those around them and so unless you have any thoughts on that, Quinn, uh, we can kind of move
1: on, but okay. I wouldn't say it wraps it up. I don't think it's a discussion that just, you know, okay, we've concluded, but that's a good, that's a good place to stop.
0: I would say so. And do you have anything you'd like to drop and add uh, people who want to follow you and know what's going on in your life? This guy is quite the talented artist he doesn't do much because of his busy as schedule, but he's also a bike mechanic. He does fantastic work, and if you are in the Oregon area, stop by his bike shop. Anyway, Quinlan, what do you got for us?
1: Oh, well, if you guys want to give me a follow, that'd be cool. I guess, you know, it's whatever. What's but, your Instagram? Uh, it's Quinlan, the Benning. Um, I post a lot about my writing at work. Every now and again, um, if you ever need, if you're in the Astoria, Oregon area, um, got a shop down here. And it's on Marine Drive and Eleventh. Bikes and Beyond. do. Uh, I mean, it's all right. I, mean, I guess we'll get your bike working.
0: <laughs> guess it. I guess no. They'll give you a free. No, not free. They'll give you a brand new bike though if you ask for
1: it. Yeah, if you ask for it and have a stocked up debit card. Yeah,
0: Yeah. but if you're ever down there, there's some great uh, trails to go ride down in the beach in Oregon. The West Coast is a fantastic place for bike riding.
1: Definitely vacation-worthy.
0: So, yeah, (laughs) Quinlan, I'm really glad that you took the time to talk to me today. Why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to the Case Against the Modern Man fans out there?
1: I'm trying to think what the dude man said on... Uh what's his name? Larry King. Oh,
0: Larry King. Okay. What does he say at the end of his show? I don't fucking know. So,
1: and good night. So, I can only remember oh. and good night. Something something. You should month. say good night and good luck. <laughs> <laughs>